Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 99. I'm your host, always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello there. On tonight's feature presentation, we're going to be looking at Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. Uh, but before we obviously get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, what has been holding your interest? Because for myself, I have not watched a lot because I've been feeling like a military academy. Pass <laughs> me, keep passing out. Right, yeah, very good, very good. However, I know you've you've been away on holiday, so it's, uh, it's, yeah. We it's well, should we use the term holiday like rather loosely? I got to sit in a in an aluminium asylum with my kids for <laughs> three days. It's not like I was over in like Bermuda or somewhere sunny or delightful. Yeah, static caravans are a, are a British tradition. Yeah, I was over in the Jurassic Coast. <laughs> which apparently closes up season. It just rolls the roads up and says, nope, we're done. Yeah, so the only thing you can eat is sandwiches, right? Anyway, anyway, I'm, I hope you had a nice time anyway. So I've got three things, um, but one of them I'm only going to sort of half talk about. So I'm in the middle of writing a review for Eastern Kicks on Infernal Affairs 3. Um, mostly because Criterion are releasing all three films as a set, and it's going to come out in the UK as well. Lots of lovely new features. Um, but obviously, everyone loves Infernal Affairs. Lots of people have got a lot of love for, for Infernal Affairs 2, which is like a prequel. But quite often, the reviews of Infernal Affairs 3 are, what the fuck is that? <laughs> because it's like this weird mix because they just want to get everybody in Hong Kong who's ever been close to one of these films in this film it sort of acts as a as a coda to the first film yeah but also as a set of lost scenes from the first film as well all happening in two different time periods at the same time I think there's three different time periods so I haven't watched it all the way through but I just wanted to bring up that it's getting a criterion release and hopefully by Next time we record, I'll have um, I'll have written my article. I've got another film which I haven't watched yet, which I won't bring up this. But yeah, it's just funny. It's um, I think we've talked about Infernal Affairs before. We talked about it during Anti Wong Month. Mm, um, that's obviously right. I watched Infernal Affairs, and I mean I love I love Infernal Affairs one. I think it's a great movie. I don't think it needed another two films to follow it up. And yeah, certainly, I... it features uh, some career best performances by a lot of the cast. When we look at the fact that you've got Anthony Wong in it, Andy Lowe's in it, um, Eric Toussaint's in, in it as well, um, and and Tony, little Tony Long as well. Um, yeah, it's got a, it's got a bloody brilliant cast. Um, if two and three were made in the same year, it's just. Uh, yeah, I, I basically said I'd take one for the team. I'll talk about it more next episode, but I just wanted to bring up that it's getting a nice 
and there's lots of lovely extras on it which I haven't really delved into. Um, the other thing I watched was one of these Eureka releases. Eureka just keep every month seems to be another Jackie Chan film, and I picked up Supercop or Police Story Three. Um, a couple of months ago, and I finally got round to watching it. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, I right. am a, I am a big fan of the sort of the first two police story films. And to be fair, <coughs> as as a Hong Kong sequel goes, it's clearly the same character, and he's still going out with Maggie Chung, but quite a different beast. When I was watching it, what it made me feel of it was like a gender and location swapped her fatal ways in the sense that in her fatal ways, it's a mainland Chinese detective who comes over to Hong Kong to solve a crime. In this case, um, Jackie Chan's, uh, they literally say at the beginning, we need a super cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he goes undercover in, in in China to bring down some drug lord. <clears throat> um, he meets up with, a character played by Michelle Yeoh, the wonderful Michelle Yeoh, who's a mainland policewoman, and they don't seem to get on. Uh, but then they have some adventures in Thailand and and other places. It's all a bit international, really. So the stakes stakes are up. But what's really and yeah, and what's really good is that Michelle Yeoh gets plenty of time to shine as well. So it's a real sort of double hander this one. Um, it's not a lot of martial arts. There's 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 moments, but a lot of it is shooting and shouting and blowing stuff <laughs> up. I'm fairly certain it's on exploding helicopters. <laughs> um, there's yeah, there's a lot of that. There's oh, the, the the final act of the film then goes to Malaysia and Maggie Chung turns up again. Um, and 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 actually, that's to me the final third of the film is probably the best because the first the first sort of two thirds feels a bit like yeah, a bit like a sort of knockoff Rambo really. <laughs> but, uh, um, and there's some weird stuff where he's there's some sort of meta commentary about Chinese people eating dogs, which was just a weird thing to bring attention to. I thought in the middle of the film, but yes, the, the final sort of set in um, the final bit set in Malaysia is really entertaining. Um, and there's some quite excellent stunt work going on. And like I say, Michelle Yeoh certainly gets her opportunity to to shine as well. I'm sure you've seen Supercop 3, or Supercop Police Story 3. Yeah, I've definitely seen um, Supercop, as you've rightly said, I mean, it was released as Police Story 3, but just over here it was uh, released as Supercop, the same way that First Strike, uh, which is uh, Police Story 4, was just released as First Strike. But no, I mean, Supercop really is the Michelle Yeoh show. Um, we have that stand-up moment where she rides a motorcycle onto a moving train, which she actually did. Um, as, as you see in the in the, you in, see in the blooper when she overshoots. Yeah, <laughs> you also see the blooper where he accidentally punches her in the lady parts as well. Which is yeah, there's a lot of uh, things happening on that train sequence at the end. There's some stuff mm. in the helicopter as well, which uh, there's some f- interesting bloopers there. Um, as you said already, I mean, this is set in the Golden Triangle, which sort of really ties into the whole bit of obsession that was happening at the time there. Because you have a bunch of movies that are happening that sort of become obsessed with, like, Vietnam and the Golden Triangle in particular. So it's really sort of playing into that aspect as well. But I agree with yourself. I mean, it is it is more heroic gunplay than it is uh, the martial arts sort of action. And I think... I. Can't really remember where was a period uh, Chan was in his career, where he was sort of moving away from like the 
um, the sort of kung fu stuff and just doing more sort of like action cinema at the time. But um, I mean, to be fair, the police, the, the the previous two police story movies are are very stunt based, aren't they? You know, police story one is is just. Is is full of amazing sequences, but you know it's another example of a sort of a, a, a trilogy where the third film it, it, we just don't often get this, do we? Where the third film's really fucking strong, and in some way, and and, and adding Michelle Yeoh doesn't diminish from it at all. In fact, I think it enhances it, and I believe it got its own spin-off, or she got her own spin-off. Is that Supercop 2? Is that right? Is that It's really one? confusing because they released it as Supercop as well. And the only difference mm. I could tell is just the covers. Right. Um, and it's got her hanging from a helicopter. And um, at the bottom it says, um, and starring Jackie Chan as Inspector Chan um, at the bottom. That's the only way I can differentiate between the two. Or Kevin, as he's known in these films, which I do find hilarious. <laughs> The super cop's called Kevin. Sorry to any Kevins out there, but it's not um, a heroic name. But yeah, as, as I remember, there's some there are some fun fun sequences, even with like the heroic gunplay. There's some very over the top stuff in here that would make like John Woo blush, like when they're doing the uh, throwing the shotgun up in the air. Yeah, no, there's there's yeah, there's some and and there's a bit of humor in there as well. Um, it just. The only the only criticism I enjoyed it immensely. The only criticism I had is that Michelle Yeoh's character goes from being antagonistic to very flirty and pally with him in about fifteen seconds in the middle of the film. <laughs> it's not it's not really a story based. It's sort of just more. It, it's very driven by the plot, but really enjoyable. And I was really surprised. I thought it was going to be not as good as I as, as it was because I really love the police story films. So that's Super Cop 3. And the other thing, which I've watched this evening, I finally got round to watching um, the new Park Chan-wook movie, Decision to Leave. Okay, whereabouts did you uh, catch that one to? You don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering if it sneaked onto like Mumbai or something. It's though. going to be on Mumbai fairly soon. So it's had a, a sort of short cinema run, hasn't it? And it's going to go on to Mumbai. Um, I, 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 I had access to it another way. Um, on the plane. Uh, that's how, that's normally what we say when we've uh... yeah on a plane. That's right. That's exactly where I was. Talking. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, I <laughs> I I Park Chan Wook movies. I think we did the Handmaiden not long ago. We did. That's correct. We've um, we've kind of strayed away from doing a lot of Park Chan Wook movies, mm. and I've I know that we put the Vengeance trilogy up there, but everyone wanted to go with the Hate trilogy instead. So. Mm. Thank you again, guys. <laughs> I, I I have a. I like Park Champ. Oh, we've done Thirst as well, haven't we? Oh, that's right. Yes, we have yeah. done Thirst. And I think my feelings on Thirst and Handmaiden, and a lot of his movies, apart from Old Boy, which I loved first watch, is that I don't tend to love his films the first time round. I I appreciate the craft. He visually, he's the greatest korean modern korean director right you know his, his all all his films have beautiful cinematography really interesting shots and, and and so on and so forth but i often find there's not a lot of there's a lot of plot but not a lot of depth um and it's not until i rewatch them from a distance like the handmaiden when we watched the handmaiden i really didn't enjoy the handmaiden the first time i saw it when we got to rewatch it 
together as part of this show. I really enjoyed it a lot more the second time round. Um, and I think I think that's how I feel about most of them. And I think that's how I'm going to feel about this one. So I'll try and be as spoiler-free as I can because because the lead character is someone in tonight's film, Park Hay Il. Well, I can never remember his name. So Park Hay Il is this um, Korean actor who seems to have been around the for, for years. So Memories of Murder, which we'll talk about later, is, is like his first role. So he plays the sort of the third person accused of the murder. That's sort of the one that we're kind of left thinking is probably guilty. Um, and he's been in a ton of films. And he's got this, historically, he's had this really sort of youthful look about him. And he always plays these sort of either really sort of nice but youthful looking guys or weirdos. And to see him in this film, he suddenly looks a lot older. Anyway, so he plays... He plays um, a police detective who's haunted by some of his past cases and has insomnia so far so everything um he basically starts investigating a case where a chinese woman um is accused of murdering her elderly korean husband um paid by tang wei who you'll know from lust caution amongst other things um temporary resident of reading during her blacklisted time after that <laughs> so 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 that's interesting that she's in it showing off a bit of korean but also working around the fact she doesn't really speak korean by using google translate on her phone a lot um <laughs> and 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 basically um park hale's character sort of falls for her it's a film noir right so she's the femme fatale he he sort of dragged into her world and just like the handmaiden there's a second half to the film where um things have moved on but she's now then accused of killing someone else so i think that's as much as the plot i would go what this is it's park chan wook's love letter to hitchcock specifically his love letter to vertigo <laughs> um, it's, it's it's not quite the same plot but it's pretty much the same idea and the performances are excellent. The cinematography is excellent. I really like the sound. I really like the um, the score. Um, I was, however, left a little cold by the plot. The plot seemed a bit routine. We've seen it before, you know. And if you're going to ape someone, ape from the best, ape from Vertigo, which is, you know, like, it is literally my favourite film of all time. Um but as always with Park's films, it lacks a central something between the characters. And a bit like Stephen King, he's just not comfortable with sex. So in this case, he just avoids it altogether. So you never really believe in this central relationship. The Park, uh, Park Hale's character is, is married and you're meant to believe that he he throws away his beautiful wife for this this Chinese lady that he can barely communicate with and never ever gets any kind of intimacy with. They go to a Buddhist temple once. That's as close as they ever get to any kind of intimacy, either physical or mental. So the whole, you know, the, the femme fatale is meant to be a flirt. She's meant to entice and tease our, our, our erstwhile hero. And I never really feel that happens. So I really, I was really disappointed so even though the tech stuff, the tech specs and the acting and all that, 
are fantastic. It's also half an hour too long. It's two and a half hours long, which doesn't need to be. Um, yeah, I was really disappointed. However, I think if I come back to it in a year's time, I'll really enjoy it, having been through it. There's, there's, he, the park does some weird things with, with time and and there's sort of some flashbacks. And there's a really cool thing where, where they're um, doing, sort of surveillance of Tang Wei's character, you know, by using bugs and cameras and things like that. That, that it uses this conceit where it puts the the people doing the surveilling like in the room. So it's as if they're watching her doing things or talk or, or talking to her as she's doing it. It's quite it's quite clever, but it's really confusing to start with. And I just think I just think sometimes he's trying to be a bit too clever. So yeah, it's it's a half hour too long. I know it's good, but it just didn't sing to me. Um, so it'll be interesting. I imagine I imagine you'll get to see it um, over the next few months, and I'll be interested in what you think about it. But uh, interesting, it's his first film since The Housemaid, which was 2016. He did exec produce the What Lies Beneath as well in the same year. So it's been a it's been six years since he's put a film out, which is I find remarkable. But there, decision to leave. I'm trying to remember if um, no, we didn't win any um, Oscar attention, did it? The The Handmaiden. No, this one is is South Korea's. Um, entry to you know the the best international film yeah. but they haven't decided on the on the final picks yet but um i guess parasite's going to give it a leg up but a lot asian films just don't don't do well at the oscars period <laughs> even in best international film so I, I, yeah to me i think this is it it, it it's flawed it's 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 probably <sighs> yeah, I, yeah, it's it's funny, you know. We have Bong and and Kim and and Park are the are the sort of the big three, and Bong I just love anything he puts out on the whole. Um, the most of the stuff he likes, but but Park is just the one that leaves me cold. As much as I love Old Boy, every other fr- I mean, like I like the first half of Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. I think that's fun and entertaining and everything. And then it just gets so fucking dark. <laughs> it, okay. It just, just, but again, I, I appreciate what he's doing and actually rewatches and make it better. Um, it's interesting you say that he has this awkwardness uh, uh, with sex because all these films are heavily peppered with sex. Yeah, yeah, but I don't find I don't find anything he films erotic in the oh, really? in the Handmaid, and you know the bit. There's a bit, isn't there, where um, you have a vagina eye view of someone performing cunnilingus. Yeah, and I just thought, what the fuck is that? That's just, it's not, it's not sexy. It's I, just... You see, I was like completely opposite because, like, when I look at there's there's certainly moments in some Mr. Vengeance, which. Uh, uh, very clever, such as the sign language sex scene in that. Um, the scene in Old oh Boy was until I saw the ending. <laughs> then it became a lot unsexier. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, you do, it's things you don't want to admit to in <laughs> into liking. Um, I just, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think you know, as Korean films go, his films are much more peppered with sex than many. Um, and and also just, we don't have like the weird swirling vertex and vortex that we get with Japanese films. Like no, no, that's true. Um, but this one just steps away from that. And obviously, you know, Tang Wei isn't 
isn't without a history of of sexy films. Um, or maybe she wants to step away from you know you you you. I think you're a big fan of Last Caution, right? Last Caution, I was. Um, it was one of those films that I just wondered after I saw it why it took me so long to get around mm. to watching it. Um, I think Last Caution is an absolutely phenomenal film, and I mean. It's now kind of been lost on on Ang Lee's filmography, which is really bizarre because he had a lot of like um, fanfare when it was released. Well, it's because it's because it got blacklisted by the Chinese Communist Party, and Tang Wei didn't get to work for years after that. That's why she came to Reading to go to university here to to escape from all the the bad shit she was getting. So I think it's just been you know it it was. It was censored, blacklisted, whatever you want to talk it out of um, out of history. Um, that's a Tony Long as well, isn't it? Yes, yes, uh, it's Tony Long because um, he had that wonderful interview when he's like going through his character in GQ, and he was sort of like uh, they when Ang gave him the script for uh, Lost Caution, he's sort of like, well, there are some some um, erotic scenes in here. It's like, oh, I've I've done love scenes before, and he looks screwed. It's like, oh wow, <laughs> this is not what I've been used to. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, I think she's great. I think and and Park Hae-il in this film is really good as well. It's really just it just was a shock. I thought that can't be him. He doesn't look the same. So he's you know like he's been in this. Um, so there was a very good um sort of mystery detective mystery called Moss. Which I think got a release over here, which was pretty good. I've got a feeling he was in Chore, but I could be wrong. Um, I haven't looked him up. But he's yeah, he, he's a really interesting actor and and sort of unusual looking. He's in the host. That's 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 the other one. War of the Arrows. Um, let's have a look. Anything else that people might remember? Lots of um, oh, he's in Boomerang Family. That was that was released over here. Good morning, President. He's in there. Oh, that's a, that's the TV thing. Um, a lot of TV shows. Yeah, he's a really popular Korean actor, and it's just really shocking to see how he's grown up. But then again, Memories of Murder was two thousand and three. It was nearly twenty years ago. He's allowed to grow up. <laughs> yeah, two thousand and three, and it's only t- it's taken me till now to watch it. So that's going to obviously be a. An interesting point to look into mm. tonight. Anyway, so that so I think I've watched sort of, sort of three really interesting films, um, all all of which could probably be a, a main film for us later on down the line. So there you go. I've I've done the watching for both of us this time. You've handed it all mm. for us. So so yes, that's uh, obviously what we've been watching or what I haven't been watching to be more precise so on that note I think it's time to find the projector and get on tonight's feature presentation as we tonight look at Memories of Murder So tonight's feature presentation we said already is Memories of Murder from 2003, a South Korean crime thriller directed by Bong Joon-ho. The film itself is loosely based on the true story of Korea's first confirmed serial murders which took place between 1986 and 1991. 
in Huizong, uh, Guigong province. Uh, the film stars Song Kang Ho and Kim Sang Kang as a detective park conductive cell, who are the two detectives trying to solve a string of murders which are seemingly linked to the rain. Now, as I said already, this is a first time watch myself. I put off watching a lot of Bong Joon-ho movies um, just purely because of the bad taste that I got in my mouth from from the host, which everyone else really loved, and I just could never get into. And I still can't get understand the appeal of that movie. But on the other hand, you love Snowpiercer. This is this is the thing. Yeah, because we've, um, we've watched Mother. I think you enjoyed Mother when we watched that together. Yeah. Um, I I find I find that interesting. I like the host, but I understand why you don't like it. I liked Okjar as well. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't get blown away by Okjar, but I, at least again, you went. I can't remember who it was in the lamb, but his whole nagging point was um, the fact that it's such a giant pig. How would you ever feed it? And I'm thinking, if <laughs> that's your that's food. the uh, yeah, question. That, that, that's your takeaway. <laughs> I, I think all that this movie may have gone over your head slightly. Yeah, uh, indeed. if I remember who it was, we'd name and shame him on the show because <laughs> I know they don't listen to us, so it, makes a <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> Go tell them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yes, this is as I said my first uh, first time watch this. This film has got a lot of uh, fans. I know Edgar Wright's a big fan. Uh, is it Taito Watiti? Taiko Watiti. Taiko Watiti is a huge fan of Bong Juno and obviously picked this when he was doing his Criterion picks for the closet. Obviously, he refers to him, Master Bong. Yeah, director Bong. So this is this is director Bong's only his second film. That's the other thing we have to put this into some context. Um, I think Barking Dogs Never Bite is his first film, which yes. is also quite good. Um, but good and he hasn't he hasn't made a lot of movies. But yeah, just to think, this is back two thousand and three, and this you know here, here begins the road to Parasite. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, you you can see a lot of. Um, you know a lot of the sort of the the, the themes um, that he looks at a parasite and in Snowpiercer about sort of a two track society two track society about you know this this is very much set in rural um, South Korea um, under the sort of the military dictatorship which obviously we've come across in other South Korean films like um, Peppermint Candy and the like um, and you know the, the 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 people in this town in this small town are not given the same um you know the same protections as maybe people are in the big city of seoul um you know they they're given a a police force who do it all by i don't like the look of you therefore you're guilty <laughs> um and there's a lot of poverty around obviously there's um sort of it's an indictment of how maybe disabled people are treated um, in uh, in this world. So yeah, I, I it just yeah th- th- those themes are here. Although this is a police procedural about a serial killer uh, at the same time. Is it? But it's it's dense for that. Um, 
Are we just going to follow the plot, or I, I don't know? Um. We're going to we're going to try and avoid spoilers best we can. Mm. Um, obviously, we do spoil anything. I apologise. Um, but I think when it comes to this film, I think the most interesting aspect of it is the detectives and the investigation, rather than the various twists and turns within this plot. Um, certainly, I mean. Already, I mean, this film is set in 1986, and as you pointed already, this is like a couple of detectives out in the sticks. There's no um, forensic evidence. The, as you said, the detectives' methods are questionable at best, and um, the fact that they've got a concrete bunker that they use to beat people up in as part um, of their uh, interrogations, and yeah. the fact that they call this the interrogation room when it is just basically. <laughs> A basement that they beat people up in. Yeah, basically detective work, and, and we've come, we've seen this before. Again, I'll reference Peppermint Candy, but we've seen it in other films as well. Um, police, police work in Korea at this time appears to be, I don't like the cut of your jib. Followed by, I'm going to keep you awake for three days while I kick the shit out of you until you just confess. And and actually, when I first saw Memories of Murder this was the first time I'd seen this. Obviously, I think even on this show, we've probably seen six movies that have the same, the same thing going on. So it's it's clearly how it was. Um, there is a, you know, a, a, the detective from, um, from Seoul who comes in to help out has slightly different methods. Um, but... When it comes, you know, they say DNA evidence, and you've got to think, you know, we were we were pretty well versed in the late 80s in DNA evidence. It wasn't quite what it was now, but it turns out even in even if they said you know, they have to send the DNA evidence off to America, in in the real case it was off to Australia or Japan. Japan, I think they had to go to. So that that's all true, and lots of things we take for granted just weren't possible, which is why that's happening. But it makes you wonder how many people have confessed to crimes up until the sort of i think i've talked about it before you know post post olympic games um south korea it's probably full of a lot of unsafe <laughs> unsafe convictions and they do they do pick on the obvious people don't they bless them they do um i mean obviously sankang ho is uh, the one heading up the the, the investigation as uh, park Doo man and his whole thing is the fact that he likes to photograph the suspects and then he sort of creates his little collage in his journal that he feels that he can get a look of somebody and tell whether they've uh, they've committed a crime or not. And this whole case really sort of brings his own methods into question. And it's this constant clashing of uh, styles and techniques as to what's going to be the best way to handle um the case really i mean we've got um a detective whose um whole thing is this the fact he likes to drop kick people um, there, there's some gr- great drop kicking in this film at least at least two brilliant drop kicks yeah <laughs> he gets so gung-ho he even beats up another detective that he believes is um <laughs> yeah is a suspect there's a weird running joke in the first half of this movie where people keep falling down embankments which also ties it really well with the fact that you've got these really wonderful shots, especially during like the first couple of murders that happen within the film. There's these uh, almost like one shot takes that he does 
where he's uh, got you've got all these various actors and various people hanging going on in the background and he's there trying to trying to sort them out trying to keep everyone on track not to contaminate the crime scene yeah he is he is trying to do the right thing i know we've we've dissed him in terms of his 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 actual accusation but he does try and protect the crime scene but he can't stop like a tractor coming by and running (laughs) over the footprints and uh and, and 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 just trying to control there's a um there's a journalist, isn't there? That he has there's always journalists. Yeah. It seems like as soon as they they turn up at any crime scene, it's how quickly they can get the journalists there, like initially, and then it becomes a case of like we've got to stop the journalists getting here because the first guy that they think they got murdered, you see them all like posing on the stairs, giving like this strong man arm and stuff, and then it's sort of like the, it turns out he, he didn't do it, even though they basically just like. They've got like beat a confession at him by f- forcing him to dig his own grave. This poor um, mentally handicapped kid. Yeah, who, um, who's who's picked on because he's got burns, hasn't he? he there's I, I can't remember if they describe tell you why he's burnt, but yeah, he's got burnt face. He's he's clearly yeah, um, you know he's 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 he's. There's a word they use, and we shouldn't use it anymore. So we use mentally handicapped, I think. Um, but but he's and he just says yes to things, doesn't he? And he doesn't mean it. Although that in and of itself becomes a clue later on. Um, and yeah, and and it's and then when when <laughs> and it, the film isn't with that. It's pretty grim. The murders aren't sensationalized, but they're pretty grim, aren't they? Um, but then they try and make it up to him by buying him a pair of trainers. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Nike trainers, but they're nice. <laughs> they're just knockoffs, aren't they? <laughs> oh dear me, it's um, it's funny. And then, yeah, and then this other detective comes along, um, played by um Kim Sang Kyung, who isn't somebody. He's been in a few big films, things like The Tower and Ha Ha Ha. Um, but to be honest with you. I don't know him that well. He comes, he's a detective from Seoul. He's been asked to come into the case, um, but obviously has slightly different ideas with regards to evidence and thinking things through. And a lot of the breakthroughs come from him. Lots of the um, uh, different views on the case um, come from him. Uh, He basically says, it can't be, it can't be the first guy. They then arrest a guy in... Basically, they catch a guy masturbating over women's underwear whilst wearing women's underwear in the woods, Um, which is just a bit weird. They catch him because he's still wearing his panties in whilst working as a builder. Um, And they beat the confession out of him as well. I think think by the end of his beat-out, he... um, He's pretty sure he's committed the crime, but yeah, I mean, this is always <laughs> going to be like the running problem, isn't it? When mm. you when you use interrogation techniques that involve beating people up, they're going to eventually hit the point where they just tell you what they think you want to hear, um, just to stop stop these things happening. Which is obviously the big flaw here. Um, I also really love. I think it's the third suspect that they have. And uh, the detective who keeps drop kicking things drop kicks the light, and he gets like removed from the uh, interrogation room by his uh, superior. 
Yeah. It's like that's that's the uh, the thing. It's not like other people you you've been beating up and stuff. It's the fact you drop kick the light. That's what gets you thrown off the case. Yeah, which actually ends up really quite sad for that guy. Um, I mean, he he's basically beats up. You know, he gets depressed because he's been taken off the case. He ends up beating up an entire bar of people because there's this whole, you know, there's 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 this underlying tension throughout the film where we see on television and that there's there's protests in the village itself against police against police brutality um against against the government that are going on so that you know it's it's very easy to say oh they're just hick detectives who don't know what they're doing but they're operating in this really difficult world i mean i'm not saying you should go around beating people up to get confessions but yeah that the, the, they they sort of say all detectives are shit and he loses it um unfortunately he has ends up losing his leg because of because of this um because of this sort of background tension that's going on um but as you say finally they they come to another suspect i think we all feel he's probably oh it's yeah things go wrong <laughs> pear shaped but then it takes that long in the film for the sort of the hick detective san kang ho's um uh, character and um uh Kim Sang-kyung's character sort of eventually come together two suspects in lots of fighting they, they've never they don't really work together very well until they suddenly decide to at which point the the best bit of this movie happens is that their personalities change and um Kang Sung-ho's character suddenly realizes that you've got to kind of do things by a process if you want to get the right person and you want to make the conviction stick Whereas Kim Sang-kyung's character knows he's found the right guy, but there is no fucking evidence. Because it's all happening at night and all the evidence is getting washed away. They can't get the DNA evidence because they don't have the ability to do so. He's also a bit of a slimy git who just doesn't... Who's, who's not mentally defective. He's not a guy who's scared of his family finding out he likes masturbating over underwear in woods in the middle of the night. Um, and he suddenly becomes the one that says, well, let's beat a confession out of him and things like that. And yeah, that, that way in that final act that they change personalities, I think is just really interesting in this film. I would have to say that, that just especially something who's kind of been reaffirmed by what you said there, but the film that I was like drawing the closest comparison to this would be like David Fincher's Seven. In the fact that you have I, these two yeah. detectives from different styles who are investigating this crime where you have a killer essentially dancing rings around the detectives. Um, and by the end, that they've found this mutual respect and in many ways changed their style in the same that we see with um, with uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's Morgan characters. Freeman, the yeah. fact that Morgan Freeman's character starts off as like the calm, collected detective, and by the end he's sort of like prone to like rage and aggression where Mills is like learning things as he goes and being like fed notes on like Dante and the Seven Deadly Sins all these uh, things and I think we've we see something very similar to this film even though this film doesn't go as dark we certainly have that point where it the first half of it has these moments of lightness and humor to it and then by the second half it as the case becomes more intense it all sort of disappears um, and becomes certainly a lot more dark but mm. it's it's funny because when it's funny there's some really genuinely funny bits in it such as like the first suspect they have um, Beck 
um, whose father owns a restaurant, and they go to uh, his father's <laughs> restaurant, and he like. <laughs> he stumbles out the closet and he's like oh he just likes to sleep in random places and, and that, later on in the film there's a callback isn't it because they realise that oh, like, yeah. is, 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 a wit- is a witness you know he wasn't confessing to the crime he was describing what he saw and they and so they suddenly rush to the restaurant and they need to speak to him where is he we don't know the first place to go and look for him is in that closet he's not yeah. there as it turns out but yeah there's lovely there is Lovely stuff. It's funny you so you 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 sort of drew drew allusions to sort of Fincher's Seven. Um, to my, my mind, that drew to Zodiac. Um, okay. I yeah. and, and 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 there's reasons for that in terms of how it ends up. I mean, I don't think it's spoilers. Well, no, I mean it's it's, they're both uns, they both end up as unsolved cases, right? That uh, yeah. Um, whereas the real life case would eventually be solved very recently in the last few years yes um in this one it's it it, it doesn't is never solved we don't find out who the killer is we're certainly given like much like zodiac is we're given a good hint of who the killer could be yeah the, the who the director believes it is for um, sure yeah. well i d- wouldn't even say that because the end shoulders him scanning the audience mm. it's like which of you is the killer yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Which yes. um, only dawned on me after I read the Wikipedia article. Because I was like, I was like, was he was he dawned on him? And so I looked on the Wikipedia. And it's like, yeah, he's scanning the audience. Yeah, to see the now that, I, I read that as well. And that made that final scene make it, it was a different reading to what I'd had of it originally. Because um, yes, it's it's set some years later, and and Kang Sung Ho's character is no longer a policeman; he's a businessman. Although still making out, you can tell guilty people by looking at them with his son. <laughs> but yes, abs- absolutely. Yeah, I, I I see what you mean with the seven, but with seven in terms of way the 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 two detectives sort of change over, almost take over each other's personality over the course of the film. I think the sort of the procedural element and the constant failing of the police to work it out. Um, reminded me of Zodiac. I mean, Zodiac is you know, a very different sort of film, but it's also a police procedural about a serial killer that people are struggling to sort out. Um, I'm also thinking of the... Um, oh, the Boston Strangler with um, Tony Curtis as the bad guy. Is that who it is in that? that, that, that it's, it's sort of... Lo- lots of feels of those kind of things. Um, um, but it's... It, you're right. There's some there's some horrible stuff going on. Mostly men beating up on each other, um, but there there are little moments of levity or humour. You get a sense of also of of a, not a bit of a bromance growing as well as eventually <laughs> between the two detectives. Um, you know, and they're both really compelling actors. Um, that's that's the other thing about this film. It's extraordinarily well acted from from top to bottom. I would say. Hopefully you agree. Oh yeah, I've definitely enjoyed the performance. But I mean, I've certainly Song Kang Ho is, who's a regular player, obviously within the Bong Joon Ho troupe. Um, Kunti surprises me with his flexibility as a actor, just the roles that he's able to perform as we've seen over the course of the films. It's never the same character that we see him playing. He's certainly got some real depth and variety to his performances, and the character that most caught my interest though was his um girlfriend who i couldn't tell whether she was like a nurse who was now a prostitute or what so, her deal was so same right because it's been i haven't seen this i haven't re-watched this for at least 10 years and 
And so sometimes, like, I was surprised that Parquet Hill was the third. I'd have forgotten he was even in this film. But I still struggle because I thought to start with, he was just seeing the town prostitute because he says things to her that make that pretty clear that she is a prostitute. Yes. But then it appears she's also his actual girlfriend. And I don't know. I think this film does take place over a period of time. It's maybe not necessarily clear to us how long this film's taking place over because there's not a lot of, of of markers for time other than at the very end where it's clearly jumped forward so i i think she may have yeah i, I think you're right i think she's a prostitute and nurse and his girlfriend and by the end of the movie obviously they've got married and had kids so yeah, they've moved it's on sort of like the the reading i got from it is that she was a nurse who Went who t- went into prostitution, but she's obviously got this sideline where she's doing his meds on the side. So she, we see him getting a flu shot from her. Um, mm. He later in the film he gives she sets up a drip for him. So she's definitely got some medical training there because she's handling all these different things for him. But um, the reading I got was that she's like this prostitute that he's got a long term relationship with. Um, and as I said, the fact that when things things aren't working for him down south, that he just then relies on her medical training to get things like a flu shot. Down south, I like it. Um, well, she also there's a there's a there's another scene in the film, obviously, where you think she's going to become the next victim, only to find out that's a fake out, and some poor schoolgirl gets um, which I think is the one bit where there is some recognition of of who some of the victims are the first couple of victims and there's also one isn't there that actually happened before the film even started that they didn't even realize was a victim but the the school girl who who, they're both sort of walking in opposite directions in the woods and the the killer picks up the school girl and we actually sort of see her as a living human being and actually he'd met her before hadn't he they they um kim sang kyung had made friends with her before so yeah, that 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 girlfriend of Kang Song Ho, but yes, I I found that quite disturbing because it, it sort of humanised one of the victims, um, which it hadn't done before. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously you get that feeling that oh, are they going to go there? They're going to, you know, have him kill someone close to one of the detectives on the case, which is you know, it, it's a familiar move that <laughs> we've seen. Let's before. go back to seven, right? <laughs> It, yeah, I wasn't expecting him to go the head in the box totally, but I was about What's to say. What's in the that. box? What's in the box? But yeah, I mean, occasionally you'll get like a, the the detective, someone close to them, will be targeted in some way, and it's you know it's supposed to create that fire for them to like finally take this down um, to show the remorselessness of the killer. And yeah, it's a real, it's a very tensely done moment because you think, oh my god, she's going to end up like the next on the vitamin, not the vitamin list, the the victim list. Um, but no, it's uh, it, you call it fake out, I call it a uh, a swerve. Potato, potato. So, but no, I mean, I would, as I said, I was very, I I certainly enjoyed this one, and it's it's weird the fact that. The host left such a blip for me uh, with him as a director that it now sort of like overshadows any other sort of like work of his. I go into it with such caution. 
when everyone else is there, like giving in like rave reviews, I mean, the thing, and everyone gave rave reviews to the host. And um, when I criticized it, I got the message back, You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I was like, Oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the uh, creative input, guys. I like, yeah, I, I, I like the host, but I know why you don't like it. Is it because <laughs> it doesn't end the way I want it to? I well, I think you come from you know, you're, you're seeing it's a kaiju movie, right? Um, and you are seeing kaiju movies from a completely different point of view, where the host is is another story about social situations in South Korea, really, um, and it, with with a, with a dollop of of monster movie on the side, um, and also the the special effects aren't fantastic, are they? In the host. <laughs> I think when it came to the the host, one well, of my big criticisms with it um, was the fact that you've got this family unit coming together, and the fact that the to rescue the the youngest mm. member of the clan, and the fact that it's not a success. Mm-hmm. This is this is what this is what I think jarred me so much. I think if it had been a success, I would have loved the host. But instead, it's all like it's not a success, and we it's all like, well, we'll just trade this child in. <laughs> <laughs> it did felt it felt like um it betrayed my uh my 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 trust in the director that was gonna go the way mm. I wanted it to. But yeah. then again, um I rave about Snowpiercer and I know that's got its critics as well. The fact that there's people out there who criticize Snowpiercer for its sushi scene. Yeah. I I mean we've done Snowpiercer on the show, haven't we? We did. With, we did um, that with Emily from where well, yeah, Emily from uh, Verbal Diorama. That's right, and I think, I think that's a I, and, and that's a film I remember I saw at the cinema in Hong Kong, and I was really, I was not blown away by it. But actually, I preferred. Funny enough, I've talked about Park Chan Wook's movies. Um, <laughs> that's a film I enjoyed more the second time around. But I'm I, I'm I'm a huge fan of director Bong, but all his films have this element of social commentary but exist in all these kind of genre movies. Um, I mean, you know I love Mother, which is probably my favourite of his, and we've done that on the show before. But that that's about poor people, and, and that's also about, you know, a mother will do anything for her son. The other Wombin movie that we've seen. Um, <laughs> we've nearly done them all, mate. Um, so, yeah, he's just a director I like. I just think this is a really mature, interesting thriller. Um, it's made even more interesting now that, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago that, um, uh, well, we're going to assume the right person has come forward and and been got for the crimes and, uh, he's made the confession, but although this film does put all confessions under some kind of, um, (laughs) Uh, suspicion, but yes, it's nice. It's a shame. It's a shame. Um, there isn't some kind of modern coda that 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 Bong's made to it to uh, to tie up those loose ends. But I think the film exists quite happily on its own. What did you think about the fact that Sang uh, Sang Kang Ho's character was no longer a policeman later on, and that he just moved on? It just moved on. It yeah. wasn't it's certainly an unusual move, but then again, you kind of understand it. It's all like you have this one case that you can't break 
and then do you spend all these like months obsessing over it and the fact that you think you've got the guy and then the evidence says otherwise mm. it really sort of shakes your faith in the situation so that's why he obviously goes on um it... i'd like to have just seen what would happen to the other guy the the, the soul detective as well uh, that that was that was the only criticism i had of that i quite liked you know ap- absolutely comes back later think he's thinking about you know what happened um he has that conversation with a young girl who says oh some other fellow was here before who we assume was the killer um and the fact that he was just normal looking and and then as you say sankong looks out at us the audience saying which one of you is it but i would have liked to have known yeah what what happened to um um uh Kim, kim's character as well see if he was still a policeman because it's 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 not it's not a short film, is it? It's it's and 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 sometimes I feel like we've gone um to to over two two and a bit hours to have no conclusion. Is a it's sometimes a little frustrating. Am I disappointed? I'm having a sort of a circular conversation that the ending is open after spending two, two and a half hours with these guys mm. and nothing comes at the end. But I think the journey is the important thing here and the fact that, that all right, we don't, might not solve the case, but both those detectives have been changed 180 by it. Um, and it's nice to know in the real world it, may, it, it looks like it has been solved, although it's a shame for the poor ladies that lost their lives. Yes, um, they linked it to, as you said, this was, um, it was a really interesting case because obviously when it came to the prosecution that the last murder was reaching the statute of limitation um, so that they had to amend the law to give the prosecutors more time to find the murder. Um, And I think actually they ran out of, of time, but they was... 13 years later that they linked it to a man called uh, Lee Chun Jae um, who was identified as one of the when they were doing their suspects he was identified as a suspect in the killings and it was later linked through DNA evidence now it turns out that he wasn't just also involved in these murders he was also a real sort of nasty piece of work and confessed to 30 rapes and just as many sort of attempted rapes as well so when Bong Joon-ho was, like, was brought up on this, he commented that when I made the film, I was very curious and I also thought about, a lot about this murder. I wondered what he looked like. And later added that I was able to see a photo of his face and I think they needed more time to really explain the emotions from that. Um, and I think this is why he leaves the film as open-ended as he, he has. It's just that there's no way to give it a sort of satisfactory conclusion, even though he's got like two and a bit hours he'd rather just like work on the emotion these detectives are going through in the case and i think to that respect i think the film was very good um i don't i think it's what in that respect it switches more towards being more like zodiac because in zodiac we never find out who the killer is i mean finch even plays around with like the scenes where we see the killer by having different actors play the zodiac killer so we never get there's no way for us to even like go oh it was that guy because he matches the profile and the profile constantly changes because it's uh based on uh witness statements so we have four different i think it's like four different versions of the zodiac in the end so i i I really like this film i think it's a worthy number 99 i'm glad you finally broken your memories of murder um cherry (laughs) i don't watch it it's another one to cross off the cinema shameless really isn't it because it's 
it's uh, one of those ones. I think this is a problem. I think because because Bong Joon, uh, Bong Joon Oh, much like Park Chan Wook and like Takashi Mika, when a director suddenly gets like really popular, you have those people who go sort of like rush out and watch everything that they have, and suddenly it suddenly becomes like a case of if you didn't like go back and revisit the early stuff that you're like um, that you're really missing out on stuff. So, and I think this was always the case with, as I said, with Bong Joon but it, it's was just purely my thoughts on uh, the host that uh, that 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 sort of clouded it. And do we think he's ever going to make the host too? Because I remember seeing like years ago that test footage they did for it. Yeah, so I don't think he was making it, was it? it was oh, another someone else was it? It was someone else. I think we talked about that on a very early show. We probably did. Um, yeah, oh, oh, I remember seeing the test. No, I I, I don't think so. I don't think. They should either. <laughs> no, let's just leave it. Leave it alone. Um, I have have actually got Barking Dogs Never Bite to watch because it's mm-hmm. part of Film Four's Korean season. Yeah, and I think I got the. They did a little box set, didn't they? After um, after the success of Parasite, and I think Barking Dogs is one of the films in that box set as well. Oh yeah, there's a two day, there's a two film set um, you can get, which has got Barking Dogs No Bite and maybe some murder in it. Right. Um, but I, I don't know what's going on with it. This is the problem now with physical media at the moment. Everything's disappearing or it's going to stupid prices. Mm. Um, so it's very hard to track anything down but you can get them all easily enough uh, through like Amazon Prime and stuff like that just uh, if you want to pay like for a couple of bucks on the rental you mm. can uh, watch it on there so but um, I think as I said or if you live in the UK just watch Film 4 because like the Ghibli movies are always on there it's an excellent film yes um, one of my favourites justified its um, existence in our Hopefully, it's quite high up in our uh, movie list, which I, which I assume we're going to um, have to look again very, very soon. I know we've got a <laughs> due, to, due to our anniversary coming up. We do have our anniversary uh, coming up, so that we will obviously be adding another fifty titles to our list of essential Asian cinema. Um, a list based purely on personal opinion rather than critical. We've ranked this at number 161 of 200 and... No. no. I don't think... No, that's not right either. <laughs> no, it's not actually not on our top 150. Well, that's a, that's, that's a disgrace and we need to fix that. <laughs> so now it's a race to see who can get on there first. Just like last episode. <laughs> it's going to be the... Um, I think we've got a couple like this that we so think, like, how have we missed this out? Who has to come up with 25? Who has to come up with 24? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yes. So that is Memories of Murder. Um, a big recommendation from us both. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out already, definitely uh, give that a look. It uh, comes highly recommended from us both. But episode 100 is next, Stephen. It is. So we better do something special, right? So episode 100 is going to be obviously our next episode and as regular listeners to the show will know, every 25 we like to do one of the bigger titles of on the list. We did Battle Royale, we did Seven Samurai. Um, and now as we come to uh, 100, we are going to be doing a film which is very close to myself and I think Stephen's a big fan of it as well. 
and we're going with a film which Criterion saw the sense to make their 1000th spine. We are of course going to be looking at the original Godzilla for episode 100. Also a tradition of having black and white films for our <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> Certainly with Seven Samurai. So yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. It's um, I'm surprised we haven't done it before. That was that I'm, was the shocker. Well, <laughs> we could obviously have done it for the one of the Kaiju Christmases, but I think mm. the the listening public obviously have chosen to go other ways when we have put it up to the vote. Um, certainly, it's one of those titles that is significant enough, uh, not only for my own sort of fanboy status, but its status in the Kaiju landscape that it deserved a premium episode. And certainly, while other films we've been bouncing around for months in the lead up to uh doing episode 100 of what could be a 100th pick um i think we both decided that uh, godzilla was going to be the suitably monster-sized title to uh to do that so we're obviously going to be looking at the original uh japanese cut of godzilla not the one with raymond blur so there's a chance for you to dig out the uh, Criterion box set. I know, I know, I know. It's looking at me. Although I've got the BFI version as oh, well, got... so I've got this. I've I've double dipped on this one, but I will use my uh, lovely Criterion 1000. Um, paid enough money for it, mate. But uh, yeah, better get value. Get, get better get some it. value out of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and as it's a special episode, I'll probably delve into some of the special. Um, special features on the on that on that disc as well so, yeah. so uh join us next time for episode 100 and as we check out the original and the greatest godzilla but until then uh thank you as always for listening if you haven't done already please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us i apologize for any random noises you've been hearing in the background of this because my child has decided Marble Run is just the thing that people want to hear in the back of their recordings. <laughs> um, and some things, you know, the magic of editing just doesn't work around. <laughs> It'll be fine. They'll forgive. They'll, um, just, they'll just be glad you didn't murder him during the show. <laughs> yeah, have our own memories of murder. <laughs> But if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button. Whatever you happen to listen to us, leave us a review. It's your heart's raised profile of the show. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come say hi to us there. And you can check out our blog, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com, which has got our full archive of episodes on there, including the Anthony One Month, the Takashi Miki Month, and our chapter-by-chapter breakdown of Battle Royale. And, of course, as always, make sure you check out our sponsor, yespleasevintage.com, for all... Oh, great uh, fashion ideas and reused housewares and if you're in the Baltimore area go check out your local flea market you're more than likely to see Lindsay and her stall out there as well so go say hi to her um, but until then thank you for listening again and uh, thank you to my co-host Stephen no problem and uh, we'll be back next time to talk about Godzilla but until then good night <laughs>